Hello and welcome to Enneagram and Coffee, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I am so happy to have coffee with you today. Hello, everybody. So I recently did a series on the feed. It's probably been a couple weeks ago um, discussing stereotypes, but I always find it helpful to dive a bit deeper into this one uh, with all of you here on the podcast. So I want to kind of dive into Enneagram stereotypes in general, what they are, why they aren't helpful, um, how we can orient around them in a healthier, happier way. So what do stereotypes look like? So what I mean by stereotypes of the number, I think that we can all, if you know your Enneagram type, you probably have a pretty clear idea of what the stereotypes are for your type because I think it's a little bit easier to identify that than to identify it for other people. But some of the more common ones are that type ones are really clean. Type twos love to bake. That type threes are all workaholics. That type fours all have sad playlists that they cry to. (laughs) Type fives are all analytical, math-oriented you know, all type sixes deal with anxiety and everyone who has anxiety is a type six. Type sevens being like party animals, type eights being like really obviously angry and type nines being like really into sleeping or taking naps. Like these are the stereotypes that I see the most for the types I think we all have. There's so many for every single one. Again, it's easier for us to identify them for ourselves, like which ones are for our number. And then when it comes to other people, In their types, we might be a little bit less annoyed by the stereotypes, right? But um, so that's kind of what the stereotypes look like. The post that I did on my feed, I actually didn't end up finishing because it was pretty heavily focused on like your ability to hear. And I know that everyone can't hear or doesn't turn their sound on for Instagram and um, they don't read the captions. And so a lot of it, I think people were misunderstanding the, the series. So so basically the series was a sound effect from the show Friends. And it was when Phoebe was trying to teach Joey how to speak French and he wasn't getting it. And so she would say like a word and then he would repeat it incorrectly. And I think that's what can happen with the Enneagram is sometimes we say one thing and people interpret it a completely different way. And so what I did with the feed was I talked about how I think type ones is a great example. The driver for type ones is to be a good person, to be ethical and they value integrity. So we say, you know, type ones value integrity. And then people somehow from that are like type ones are neat freaks. (laughs) And those aren't the same thing, right? They're not actually connected. Yes, some type ones are very clean and orderly and organized and others aren't and just have strong moral values. So that's the heart of the message of what I was sharing. But when you listened to it, when you watched it without the sound or you didn't read the caption, it looked like I was saying the stereotype as fact, like, oh, type ones all love to organize. And so I think it was confusing. So I didn't even end up finishing it. And midway through, um, I found out about my dad and I kind of just disappeared for a while. So, um, so I want to talk about why they happen. 
I think that these can happen because there are some kind of odd similarities between people of the same type. If you've ever been able to kind of sit down in a round circle and talk to other people of your number, it's enlivening how similar your life journeys might have been or how similar some of the experience that you have had maybe or some of your preferences. Like I think one that isn't annoying for me to hear as a seven that is real for me is that like all of the sevens that I know in my life, including myself, we like a little bit of a lot of stuff, which is an element of of type seven structure. But if I go out to eat, my dream is that everybody orders something different and we all split and share. I know all the sevens that I've met feel similarly. So there are some like odd similarities that you can see, but then we get weird about it. Like we start to make these really intense generalizations. Like I heard a teacher one time say, all type twos love to be near water. And I was like, that's silly. Like, yeah, a lot of people like to be near water. That has literally nothing to do with the type structure itself. I think that that's where we get weird. It starts to get weird is like type sevens. Like we like to eat a lot of a little thing. Like our, our type structure is based off of the idea that like we want to experience everything. And so the idea that I would go to a meal and want a little bit of everything is aligned with that type structure. The concept that like type twos like to be near water is just BS made up by someone who wanted to seem like they knew the type structure. Like it does nothing to do with the actual number itself. Like the the type twos like desire to earn love is unrelated to a body of water. Um, All of us, I think, enjoy being near water. Most humans do. So yeah, maybe like type twos can resonate with that, but like, so does everyone else. So I think that's where it gets weird. I think it also gets weird when we start to simplify things or to trivialize them. And if we have to remember that things are much deeper than these stereotypes can go. And like when... You know, if I say type ones love to keep a clean home, like that's ridiculous. Like that's not meaningful in any way. And what is meaningful is type ones value integrity. Or let's talk about how if a type one does like to keep a tidy home, they're doing that from a place of like, I know the best way to do this. I know the right way to do it. And there's a pain point there. There's a struggle there. So I want to, I want to really sit with that and lead with these stereotypes are, are silly. And the other reason that they're silly is we overfocus on the behavior, right? Like the Enneagram is so special because it gets under the surface. It gets down into your bones and makes you think about why you do what you do, why you're motivated by the things you're motivated. What is it that you're scared of? What is the lost childhood message? What is it that you think you have to be in order to be loved, accepted, and okay? Like this is deep stuff. And, you know, I think it's actually kind of funny. Like people will have me on their podcast sometimes and they'll want to have like a light, fun conversation about the Enneagram. And I'm like, y'all, this is not, this is not a light, fun topic. Like this is get, let's get into the core of who you are. Let's get into the core of your fears and let's look at them honestly and make some changes. You know, it's not super playful. And I definitely present it in a playful way because it's, you know, I think that's fun, but the work is, it's deep and complex and it's full of compassion and 
love and intimacy and intensity. So when we go to the stereotypes, we're oversimplifying the people in our life. So um, let's get into that. Like, why is it concerning? It's concerning that we, we do this, that we trivialize the numbers in this way, because first of all, we miss the point, right? We, we miss the point of the Enneagram. Like the Enneagram isn't about what we do. It's about getting into the fact that like, there are these things that aren't serving us in our life. They aren't serving the people in our lives. And we're doing them because we thought we had to be something that we don't have to be, which is different for all of our numbers, right? You have to be a really, you have to be a perfect person. You have to be helpful. You have to be successful. You have to be unique or individual. You have to be informed. You have to be loyal. You have to be prepared, loyal. Um, you have to be a positive. You have to be strong. You have to be easy to get along with. Like these things that we think we have to be in order to be okay in the world, we're unlearning that that's required of us. And we're given this opportunity to now see all of these other ways in which you can be a person in which you can still be okay and more so embrace your fullness of your humanity and not just kind of over function in this one specific way. So that is first thing we miss the point, right? We don't get into the depth, which I think is just so sad. The second is that we lose sight of the purpose of the Enneagram. When we focus on the behaviors, we're distracting ourselves. We're distracting ourselves from the motivations and the drivers and the fears. And we're focusing on the simplifications that limit what the Enneagram can do for us. But I think what's more concerning to me than anything is that we lose compassion. If I start to see people as their stereotypes of their number, then I no longer see their pain in their number. And I think that that really limits what the tool can do for us in terms of opening connection. You know, if I think about type ones, if I'm overly focused on looking for evidence that they're such a type one, then I'm missing them as a person, I'm missing their vulnerability, I'm missing their pain. And the whole freaking point of learning the Enneagram in general, learning everybody else's number is to understand them on that intimate level that allows us to hold them carefully and tenderly. And I believe that that space is sacred, right? And so when we attach ourselves to these stereotypes and we start to trivialize the people in our lives, I love that Hillary and I had a conversation, Hillary, my bride, in the Enneagram Summit from this 2020 Enneagram Summit, we talked about how like simplifying them to a number, that's objectification, right? You're objectifying them at that point and you're no longer seeing them in their humanity. You're seeing them as this object. And what a lost opportunity for love, for connection, and for intimacy. One of the things I said recently on a podcast is... In your relationships, there's a lot of harm that can be done when we're using the Enneagram for its numbers and not for its language. So what we have the opportunity to do is to understand the language of the Enneagram and to use that to open connection, right? I can ask better questions. I can know them um, in their fullness. So I know how to have conversations with them that show that they are seen and they are understood, But when I start to use it for the numbers, I start to limit the ability to connect with them, right? I start to say, oh, I already know you. I've got you figured out. 
I know exactly who you are because I know your number or you're such a four or whatever that is closing that opportunity for connection, right? And so I think these stereotypes, why they miss the point, we lose sight of the purpose of the Enneagram and it's a hindrance to our ability to hold compassion for the people in our lives and a hindrance to the connection that we have, or the opportunity for connection that we have with them. Now let's talk about why it's also not the end of the world because at the end of the day, it's our job to own our growth journey. So while like I, if I go to an Instagram feed and they're like, sevens love to party. They love confetti. What's something that a seven has in their pocket? Confetti. I'm not going to follow that account. I'm not going to comment or engage. I'm out of there. Peace. Goodbye. See ya. You don't get it. That's me. I'm in charge of my growth journey. I'm in charge of what I allow to be spoken over me and into my life. And I also have to take it with a grain of salt. I would rather learn about the numbers from the people who are those numbers than from an Instagram account, right? Or, you know, I take workshops, I read books. Those are the ways that I learn about the numbers. I I go to trainings, I read books, and I listen. That's how you learn about the numbers. Anything on Instagram, this is entertainment, right? Like this isn't for, this isn't where you should get your Enneagram information. Go to a podcast, watch a YouTube video, read a book, go to a workshop, like go to informative places for that. And I think you can tell the difference, right? Like on my feed, there are times where it's just sheer entertainment and times where it is for education and entertainment. Take it with a grain of salt. Don't put stock in it. Don't type yourself off of it. Please don't type yourself off of it. And don't understand other people off of it. Don't type other people off of it. And don't think that you have people figured out, ask them like, Hey, does this resonate with you as your type? Um, I see you guys do that in the comments all the time. And I love that. Always question, is this behavior or is this motivation? And that's how you can know if it's educational or for entertainment. If it's behavior, it always has to be entertainment. Always. If it's motivation, you're more likely we're like talking actual Enneagram work there. But when you get into the behavior stuff, like that is always just for the funsies and it's fine to have fun with it, but you have to make sure that you're in charge of what you do with that information. Um, Don't hold it as gospel. Don't expect it to be gospel and follow the ones that you respect and not the ones that you don't. And I don't mean that a diss on any Enneagram account. Um, I don't even have any specific ones in mind that do that. I don't even know, but hold lightly the ones that do behavior and digest the motivations. To sum this up, I think it's important that we remember how it feels when we are stereotyped, right? Like, I think it feels very obviously like a dismissal when these stereotypes are about our type structure, right? Like, I'm very sensitive to the type seven stereotypes. This idea that we're like light all the time and we're shallow or we're, you know, party, life of the party all the time, that we're always extroverts. Um, that we're always spontaneous, that kind of stuff I feel very sensitive to. But it's not as hard for me to ignore the stereotypes when it's happening to other people, right? Like when when it happens to my husband, there can be like a little bit of a lightness in, in his stereotypes, but not in my own, right? It's easy when it's ours. So when we get into the type structure of others, 
I think we don't mind it so much because it's not us and we don't think about it. Um, but I think we should be on guard against the limiting of compassion that it creates in us. And I think a good general rule of thumb to always kind of approach any Enneagram information in is, does this increase my capacity for compassion and connection? Or is this closing my capacity for compassion and connection? Know that you are ultimately in charge of, of how you respond to these things. But at the end of the day, ideally, we're all holding the cards intentionally. I think that if you've been with me for since the beginning of my talking, my you know the creation of Enneagram and Coffee, then you probably have seen a dramatic shift. Um, the more people I meet, the more work that I do, the less silly my memes happen to be. And that's because the more people I meet, larger my capacity for compassion, the more depth that of understanding that I'm given, the more I see the pain points of others, it matters. I also want to say, you know, I do these posts every so often where I ask you to share with me ways that you feel misunderstood in your type structure. And I encourage you not to just only read the ones for your type. If you have people in your life, like a a partner or a mother or a sister or brother of different type structures, I encourage you to read theirs as well because you're going to, it'll offer you the opportunity for increased compassion, um, increased understanding of each of those people. So maybe it would be a good time for me to do one of those soon. Maybe before this even goes up, it'll happen. Um, yeah, I just wanted to have a little chat about stereotypes with you, kind of the harm of them, the silliness of them, how they play into Instagram in general. I hope that this is helpful and I do have to remind you that if you want ad-free episodes, as well as an additional podcast every single week where I give you my unfiltered opinions on all things Enneagram and behind-the-scenes look at what's going on in my life, um, that all happens over at Patreon. So you can go to patreon.com slash Enneagram and coffee. That is the main way that we make money with the podcast. We're still trying to kind of get the monetization going for it so that it is sustainable. Um, I want it to be able to be sustainable for the long term, and we're navigating the best way to do that. So Patreon's a big part of that push. So if you will, go check it out, patreon.com slash Enneagram and Coffee if it's of interest to you. And as always, I'll see you guys in the next episode.